worship. Worship is essentially a feast of sorts. It's a celebration. We are celebrating what God has done in the past in Jesus Christ. When we come together Sunday after Sunday, so we celebrate what Christ has done in the past. And we also are celebrating what God is doing in our midst, in the here and now, today, right now. It's also a celebration of the future, what God will do in the future. So here in one hour or so of worship, we have past and present and future. Our text this morning comes from the last book in our Bible, the book of Revelation. Now, this is a book filled with dreams and visions and rich imagery concerning the future. It's a book I don't understand too much about, but every now and then, within this little book, there are paragraphs that I do understand, even if just a little. So today's text, I think, is one of those understandable parts. Hear God's word from Revelation 22, chapter 22, verses 1 to 7. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what soon must take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The Apostle John is the writer of Revelation. Now, the proper title is the Revelation of John. And tradition tells us that John's an elderly man when he receives this vision from God. The spiritual realm, which is normally hidden from most of us, is revealed to him. John says in the very opening verses, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. And in the fourth chapter, John says, After this I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. In a way I do not understand, yet I do believe, John sees a door between heaven and earth. He goes through that door, again in his vision, and he comes before the throne of God. What John beholds, what he sees, is worship. He sees all the angelic beings worshiping at the throne of God. He sees all the faithful believers who have died believing in the Son of God. He sees all of those, and your friends and family are there as are mine. And he sees them praising God. Still bound by his expression of time, he says that worship is going on day and night all the time. 
This vision of heavenly worship, which runs through the book of Revelation like a golden cord, I believe reveals something extremely important to all of us. It reveals that worship neither begins with us nor ends with us. The worship of God going on all the time, every minute of our days, all day long, all night long, it's upheld by these heavenly beings. Praise of the Creator is running through creation all the time. All the time. I came across this sentence in an article that I was reading in preparation for this sermon. And, and I had to write it down because I can't say things like this, so I would love to. And I thought, what a sentence. And here is the sentence that this author says. The worship of God is a mighty stream, invisible to us most of the time, yet running, raging, skipping, singing through the universe. What a picture of worship. That worship of God all the time throughout all creation is running, raging, skipping, singing through the universe. This is incredibly important and it's significant because if this is true, and I do believe it is, this means that worship does not begin with us at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It also means that worship does not end when we leave here and we go to our favorite place for brunch or if you return to your own homes. It means that we are not the ones to initiate praise of God. And we are not the ones that are creating something new. There's nothing new under the sun anyway. And we are not the ones that are supposed to be trying to generate a particular feeling in the congregation. And when I read that in this article, I thought of all the years that I have done what Mitch and his team do and the choir does and everybody else does. I did it for years and years, crafting worship Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And then during the service, thinking, oh, I hope that works. Oh, I hope that works. And then going home in the afternoon and having one of my Sunday afternoon blue funks thinking, oh, that didn't work very well at all. And realizing I spent years carrying that baggage around. It doesn't matter. And while our worship needs to be excellent, it doesn't begin with us and neither will it end with us. And that's not what we're all about anyway is creating a feeling in the congregation. We are here, all of us, to worship God, to worship God together. And it means, if you can follow the analogy here, of worship being a stream that's constantly flowing throughout our universe, running, skipping, raging, singing all the time, that what happens as we as a community of faith gather here, we simply step into the stream of praise that began before the world was made. We step into that stream and then we get caught up and we are worshiping God. God gives to us an amazing gift. It is an amazing gift where God says, now it's time to take your turn. It's time at 9 o'clock because we are bound by time and space. It's time at 9 o'clock here for you, College Hill Presbyterian Church, as part of the body of Christ, to step in the stream and worship me. That's what God is saying. And when we finish and leave this place, worship has not ceased. 
What is concluded is our active part in it, but only for the time being. Now remember, this sermon is about corporate worship. We will be back here again next Sunday to step in to this river of unceasing worship. I believe with every cell in my being that if every church on the planet fell silent, the stream of God's worship would continue flowing mightily, sustained by heavenly beings, sustained with all of those who are around the throne of God, and it would just keep on running, raging, skipping, singing through our universe. Now, all of these thoughts, they get a little lofty. They do bring me back to a question that my mother asked frequently the last months of her life. She lived the last three years of her life right down the road here at Landfair Terrace. And for the last nine months or so, she was semi-bedridden and in the health center. So every day I visited her, and every day I knew that we would have to have the same conversation every day because my mom was so eager to have that journey from this life into eternal life. So every day I got the question, and the question was, Alice, what do you think we'll be doing in heaven? I, I, how could you get ready for it? But I knew it was coming every day. And so I'd say, Mom, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're going to be doing in heaven. But one thing I do know for sure of what we will be doing is that we will worship God. We will worship God face to face. So let's go back to our text for this morning. The Apostle John sees this incredible picture of heaven. And in the middle is the throne of God and the Lamb who is Christ. We are told again that God's servants are worshiping God, seeing God face to face. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I can't. I don't even have a glimmer of what kind of worship that will be face to face with God. That thought is awesome to me. It's frightening. It's comforting. It's exhilarating all at the same time. And if seeing God face to face isn't sobering enough, here's another thought. If we do believe that praise is going on all the time and one of the predominant activities in heaven is worship, is what we do here Sunday by Sunday, month after month, year after year, is it a rehearsal? Are we being invited by the Spirit of God to step into the stream of praise here on earth in order to be getting it right for heaven. I don't know. I just wonder. But if that is true, then it has significant implications. And you'll have to do some work on your own with this or in your small groups or with one another. It has severe and very important implications on how we bring ourselves to what we call the worship service. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian of the 19th century, has given us a wonderful model of worship. Many others have said this since, but I think Kierkegaard was the first one to say it. He said that God is the audience in worship, and we are the participants. 
We are not the audience. You're not an audience. I'm not an audience. God, God is the audience. And we are the ones who are participating. God seated on the heavenly throne with the risen Christ. That's the audience. This is the plan of God. To bring all things to completion in a spiritual realm, in a tremendous act of worship. I pray and trust that this is an hour when all of us are fed spiritually. I pray that it's a time that you are refreshed Sunday by Sunday. I pray that it's an hour where we as the people of God step into the stream again of worship that's happening all the time. It's a time for us to encounter God and be encountered by God. At its very best, it's a time when we see through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul says. It's a time for sacred rehearsal. For the Apostle Paul also says that one day, as John picks up in Revelation, we shall see God face to face. That's the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. This is the feast, Sunday after Sunday, but it's only a taste. It's only a little itty-bitty taste of what's to come. The feast to end all feasts for us is in the presence of God. Let me finish this morning with one more question. Is there anyone, living or dead, that you would truly like to meet? Anyone. Might be a famous person, might not be a famous person. Is there anyone with whom you'd love to just sit and have a cup of tea or coffee? You'd like to just sit and chat. Eighteen years ago, which seems like another lifetime now, but 18 years ago, I had the amazing privilege of meeting Mother Teresa. I was in Calcutta with a small group of others, and we were away for the month of November, 18 years ago, traveling to five of the largest cities in the world, working with Mother Teresa's nuns. It was quite awesome. And when we got to Calcutta, we were told that she was at home. That was her home. And we would be meeting her the next morning after we gathered with her sisters and Mother Teresa herself, and after the Mass was celebrated, we would meet her over a cup of tea. I was so excited I could hardly sleep that night because she had been a heroine of mine, and now I was going to meet her. And so we were told how to meet Mother Teresa. We were told not to hug her, don't do the American thing of hugging this little lady, and don't shake her hand, She was little. She was frail. She wasn't near death like, you know, toward 1997-ish, I think, is when she did die. But she was little and frail. And we were told not to take her photograph because she doesn't like to be photographed. And we were also told not to do, again, the American thing of quickly passing your camera off to a friend and getting with her and saying, take my photo with her. And this was before digitals came out. It would have been a little easier then, but this was still where you had to get your camera already. Anyway, we were given all these instructions on how to meet Mother Teresa, and we met her. And it was one of those awesome experiences. And I thought, well, I can't touch her, and I can't hug her, but I will stand just as close to her as I can, and maybe some of her will rub off on me. 
And, and it was indeed one of those highlights of that time and of my life up to this point. One day, someday, you and I will meet the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we will meet God face to face. We will all stand in the presence of God, not because we're good enough or because we've earned the right, because no one is entitled, no one has that right But we will behold God because of Jesus Christ. We will stand in God's presence because we have on this earth embraced Christ. Do you want to be ready? I do. I even wanted to be ready to meet Mother Teresa. So surely I want to be ready to meet God as much as I can be. Do you want to be ready to worship with the heavenly beings And all those who have gone before, I can think of nothing more awesome. I mean, truly, truly awesome. So I say to myself, and I say to all of you, if you want to be ready, then start rehearsing now. Begin to worship God with all of your being now. Step into the stream of worship corporately. When you are in Christian worship, step into this stream in your own private worship. Now, as I said at the beginning, this sermon has explored corporate worship, our time together. And there's a whole other understanding of our worship when we're just all by ourselves. And we'll have to leave that exploration for another day. But I have, again, no idea what heavenly worship will be like. But I do know that at our best, our very, very, very best in the here and now, we are only experiencing a glimmer, just a glimmer of that reality. But praise God for the glimmers. Praise God for those glimmers. We are tasting only a small portion of the feast, but experience as much of God as as your heart can hold. Eat as much as you can, because you know the best truly, truly is yet to come. And here we are, as a group of folks, giving an hour on a Sunday morning to worship. And so you have been participants. From the time you walked into this sanctuary. And now as an affirmation of our faith in this God that we will see face to face. I invite you. I invite you to step even more deeply into that stream. As Judy and Mitch now come and lead us as participants. As participants in the worship of God. That God who loves us lavishly. In Christ. Amen. Let's worship. We're going to step out on a limb here and take a few minutes. This will last somewhere between one minute and eternity.